God, thank you so much for who you are, for all you do, God. We give you so much praise and so much thanks in this place this morning. And no matter how much praise and how much thanks we give you, it can never be enough for what you have done. But God, we are just, uh, we're just taken aback by your love this morning, taken aback by your grace this morning. And may you, just, may you just continue to meet with us in this space. God, as we, as we open up your word, would you just speak through me once again? Would the words that come out of my mouth be your words for your people on your day, God? We are here to hear from you. No one here came to hear me speak, God. We all come to hear from you. And God, may we leave this space and this time knowing that we have met with the one true God. God, we love you. We give you thanks. We give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're in week eight this morning, uh, of, in our final week of our walk through the book of Ephesians. Uh, you know, this whole year has been really just a year where we have spent really diving into Scripture. You know, back in January when we still weren't sure kind of when we were going to be able to meet and all that kind of stuff, we, we said that this year, 2021, was going to be the year where this church really focused on learning and following Scripture, both personally and in community. You know, we knew that personally thing was going to be able to happen pretty well, and we weren't really sure about how that whole community thing was going to work, but we're together, and we're excited about it, and so, uh, but that's really what we've been doing. We, we've been just diving into the Word. We've been, we looked at the Psalms during the summer. At the beginning of the year, we looked through some of the major themes and pieces of Scripture, but for the last eight weeks, uh, not counting the last two Sundays, we have been really just diving into the book of Ephesians. And what we have seen in Paul's letter to the book of Ephesians, I'll just kind of recap for you this morning for those of you who haven't been, been on this journey with us. And if you haven't been on this journey with us, that's okay. You can uh, actually listen online. There, we have a podcast. You can listen to all our past sermons on there. Uh, anyways, uh, anyways, Paul is writing to this church in Ephesus and really to the churches around Ephesus and really, this letter is kind of like two parts, right? He has kind of like two, two main things that he wants to get across. The really first half of Ephesians is kind of theological in nature. This is what we believe. All right, this, is, this is the way we live. This is the way we believe. This is the right thoughts. This is the right theology. And then the second half of the book, it kind of gets into, okay, what does that look like? Right, if this is what we believe, what does this look like lived out? So we go from talking about kind of the church, the church being the body of Christ, as Christ is the head of the church. We go from talking about how it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or where you were born, Jew and Gentile, it doesn't matter. You are part of the body of Christ. If you have said yes to Christ, you have been included in this. You have been adopted. You are a part of the family of God. We go from that, and Paul ends kind of this first theological half by praying for strength, that they may be strengthened with power from the Holy Spirit, the same power in chapter 1 that raised Jesus from the dead. Paul prays that the believers in Ephesus and around there would be empowered by the Spirit. And then he gets to kind of this more practical half. Okay, what does this look like? What does it look like to be a part of the church? What does it look like to be the church? Right, we talk about how the church is a body of believers who are under biblical leadership to grow in the likeness of Christ and to show his love to anyone and everyone. This is the church. We move from what does it look like in the church, what does it look like to be an individual Christian, to talk about not living in darkness, but living as a child of light. What does it look like in our families? What does it look like in our workplaces? Paul talks about all of that stuff, and then we get to where we're going to go today, which is Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. Yeah, this is, I just want to remind us as we get going here, this is really 
the end of, this is the end. This is the last thing that Paul is going to say. This is, this is kind of the, if you hear nothing else, hear this from me kind of moment from Paul, right? This is Paul kind of finalizing his thoughts, closing it all up and tying it off with a bow. This is Paul kind of getting across what he wants to get across. Uh, and, and I want just to, just to go back and I want us to see that actually he closes out the second half of this book the same way that he closed out the first half of this book by praying that the believers would be strengthened with power. Let's read together. Ephesians chapter 6, starting at verse 10. <clears throat> Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me, that whenever I speak, words may be given to me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am ambassador in chains. Remember, the mystery of the gospel is back in chapter 3, that even the Gentiles are included in this. Anybody, it doesn't matter who you are, where you are, you are included in the family of God. That's the mystery that he is proclaiming, for which I am an ambassador, verse 20, in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Tychicus, the dear brother and faithful servant of the Lord, will tell you everything so that you may also know how I am and what I'm doing. I'm sending him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage you. Peace to the brothers and sisters in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an undying love. So at the end here, he just kind of gives his final greetings, right? Tychicus, he's coming. He's going to encourage you, tell you even more than I've told you here. But I, this is what I wanted to get said. What is it that he wanted to get said? Finally, be strengthened in the Lord. Paul, really, in this, in this last piece here, is telling the church and the churches around them, look, there is a, there's a battle that is going on. But this battle that you are fighting is not a battle that is flesh and blood. This is a battle that goes far beyond that. This battle is fought in the heavenlies, as the scriptures said, right? This is a different kind of battle. Why do you think he had to say, the fight you are fighting is not against flesh and blood? Because they were fighting against flesh and blood. What's the whole purpose of this book? To say, look, you Jewish Christians and you Gentile Christians, like, there's no distinction. You are all one. No one is better. No one is worse. No one is higher. No one is lower. They are fighting with among themselves about who is better. And Paul is saying, look, like, the battle that you are supposed to be fighting is not this battle between each other. Now that, we can just let that sit and just preach itself all day, every day, especially where the church is right now. Not our church, but just general church. We're not fighting against each other. I'll leave that there. <laughs> I'll preach that another time. I've already been preaching that a few times before. So I'll, I'll leave that there this morning. But 
They were so preoccupied with fighting each other, the divisions made themselves known in the church between the Gentiles and the Jews. They became everything, which is really the whole reason Paul spends the first half of this letter talking about how that fight doesn't matter. That fight is not even a fight at all. They were fighting themselves and they were so preoccupied with it. But I think it's interesting that at this letter, at the end of this letter, he says, basically, look, focus on what is important. Focus on what's important. The battle that you're fighting is not between each other. There is a deeper battle. Focus on what's actually important. And to, to do that, here's what he says. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Goes back to the prayer that he prayed at the end of chapter 3. I pray that you may be strengthened with power. Why, why did he pray that? Remember, it was so that, you might, that Christ might dwell in your hearts through faith that you might be able to grasp his love for you. Remember we prayed that prayer over people in our lives that that need to grasp love, that they they would be strengthened with power from the Holy Spirit to be able to grasp the love of God. That same power may finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, human beings. Our battle is in the spiritual realm. But amen to this, God equips us for this battle. He equips us for this battle. Put on the full armor of God. Now, whose armor is it? It's God's armor. This is not your armor. This is not something that you can do yourself. This is not something you can go grab out of your closet. This is the armor of God that we are putting on here. Put on the full armor of God. You know, just, it, it reminds me of another passage that Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians. It says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. You know, there's a story in 2 Kings uh, that is also just reminds me of this. 2 Kings chapter 6, where the king of Aram is trying to uh, just kind of come after the Israel. They're trying to take over Israel. Elisha is there at the time. They're trying to go after them. But Elisha is basically telling the king every move that the king of Aram is going to do before it happens. King of Aram's like, hey, which one of you is telling them what we're doing? And, the, and his army is basically like, look, Elisha is telling him everything that you're even saying in your bedroom. This is in 2 Kings. So one day, Elisha's assistant walks out in 2 Kings chapter, uh, chapter 6. I'll just read this to you. He walks out in verse 15. When the servant of man... When the servant of the man of God, talking about Elisha, got up and went out early the next morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. And this is, listen to Elisha's response. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, just for context, that's not true. <laughs> for context, that army well outnumbered Elisha and the people there. But Elisha says, those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prays in verse 17, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Why did Elisha have so much confidence in this? Because he knew that it wasn't him who was fighting. It was God who was fighting the battle. Yeah, when we put on the armor of God, this is exactly what we are doing. We are saying, it's not, not my fight. The songs we sang today, our God is fighting for us. 
Right, this, this is so true for us. Our God is fighting for us. And so if we're, we're in this battle in the spiritual realm and the person that we are fighting against, if you go back into the book of Ephesians, let me find this real quick. You go back to Ephesians. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Who are we talking about here? There's a name that scripture gives this person. It is Satan. We, we are in a fight against Satan. There is a spiritual battle that is going on. I think as we enter into the spiritual battle, it's good to know how Satan works. Right, you go back to Genesis and you kind of get a good glimpse of this. We, don't, we won't go and rehash all of this, but I just want to just kind of give a few little things that Satan tries to do. First thing he does is he tries to trap you. He tries to trap you, pull different things from your life, pull different weaknesses, temptations, things that you have struggled with in your past, and he will pull them, he will place them right in front of you, and he will try and trap you with that temptation. You go back to Genesis, and again, we won't go read it, but what, what happens? God says, don't eat from this tree. Satan, did God really say that? Did he really say that you shouldn't eat from that tree? Look, that fruit looks really good. And Adam and Eve say, you know what? It does. It does look really good. And they, they do it. Satan tries to trap you. He will find whatever he can find in your life. And it is, if it's a point of vulnerability, he will use that, and he will tempt you. He, he'll try to, if you're trying to stop something, this, is, this happens all the time. People will say, yeah, I, I know this part of weakness in my life. I'm addicted to this. I, I, I struggle with this. I do this. And as soon as we say, I'm going to stop doing that, inevitably, within two or three hours or so, maybe a day, you'll see a commercial. One of your friends will mention something about doing something, and you're just like, oh, why does this happen? I'll tell you why it happens. It's because Satan is constantly trying to trap you. This is how he moves. This is his part of his battle plan. He also tries to stop the work of God in your life. Right? God tries to push you into doing something. He's calling you to go somewhere, to say something, to be somewhere, to, to help someone. And inevitably, three days later, you're like, oh, I never did that. What was that again that he was trying to call me to do? And if that happens to you, guess what? That's Satan's influence. He tries to stop the work of God in your life. Uh, maybe you've experienced that. You've been so sure that God wanted you to do something, and then all of a sudden, it's three days later, not only did you not do it, you forgot that God called you to do it in the first place. All right, this is part of Satan's battle plan. This is the battle that we fight. Ultimately, what Satan wants to do is destroy you. He wants to. I mean, this is 1 Peter 5.8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I want you to understand this. There is nothing that brings Satan more pleasure and more joy than destroying the children of God. Than watching them fall, watching them falter, watching them crash down. He wants to devour your witness. He wants to devour your testimony. He wants to take you out with sin and discredit the story that you tell about God. He, he, he loves to get you hooked on things that will destroy your life. Satan hates you. Most importantly, he hates you and he hates the God that you are trying to follow. There is a spiritual battle that is being fought day in and day out in our lives, whether you realize it or not. And you know what? I think the church really kind of has two different kind of responses to this, and neither of them are good, right? The first response is we kind of over-exaggerate the spiritual warfare. There's a de demon under every rock, right? If something bad happens, and it's because Satan's after you. Now, some of those might be true, 
It might just because that car wreck that you got in might have just been you weren't paying attention at the, at the light. Not, there's not a demon under every rock. But the other side of that is we underemphasize it. And we say, ah, I don't really, I don't really believe in that stuff. I don't really, that whole spiritual warfare thing, like whatever. It's kind of, it's out of my league. <laughs> we think that's for the people who know a little more than me, right? That's, Satan's not going to come after me. I don't know enough. Like, but no, he is. He is. I, I don't think we need to overemphasize it, but I definitely don't think we need to underemphasize it either. We are, we are in a spiritual battle. And, and scripture tells us it's a very real battle. Paul talks about it, not just in the book of Ephesians, but in 1 Corinthians and other parts of, of scripture as well. We read about the spiritual battle. Jesus talks about it as well. It is real. But fortunately for us, Paul does not just stop after telling us that there is a spiritual battle going on. Paul doesn't just like leave the people in Ephesus hanging like, hey, uh, there's the, the, the people that you're fighting against are not each other. You're fighting on a whole different level. And then just like, period, stop. Tychicus will tell you all about what's going on. No. There's the spiritual battle. So here's, here's what we do. We put on the full armor of God. This is how we engage in this battle. Paul talks about this. He starts in verse, well, verse 12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, I don't need to answer what the therefore is there for today. You know what the therefore is there for today. Therefore, because there is this spiritual battle, therefore, put on the full armor of God, so when the day of evil comes, you will... Be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Man, Satan loves to lie to you. He loves to lie to you. He loves to speak lies into your life. He loves to just tell you. I mean, other parts of Scripture call Satan the deceiver. It's important to have the belt of truth around your waist. Satan is going to try and tell you, you are no good. God can't forgive that one. You are beyond forgiveness. You are not really saved. You have all of these different things that Satan will try and tell you. But if you have the belt of truth buckled around your waist, you can fight this battle. The truth is that you are loved by God. You are purchased with the blood of Christ. You are his child. You are redeemed. You are forgiven. You are free. Most of all, you are worth it to him. Amen. That's the truth. And we have the belt of truth buckled around our waist. The belt of truth allows us to run knowing the truth about who you are and what God thinks about you. You know, oftentimes when someone will come to me and just talk about, I'm just not really feeling like, like God can use me right now. I'm not really feeling like, like God really knows me right now, or I really know God right now. I'm struggling with my relationship with God. What I'll have them do is I will have them search Scripture and just find all of the things that tell you what God thinks about you. You know what it's, this book says that God thinks about you? That you are loved, that you are worth it, that he sent his son for you, to live the life that you couldn't live, to die the death that you deserve to die so that you might live eternally with him. This book says that, that God so loved you that he sent his son. That's what God thinks about you. That's the truth. This is the truth that we wear around our waist. And if you're buying into the lies of Satan, it is time to put on the belt of truth. 
This is how we fight this battle. He goes on. Stand firm there with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place. What is righteousness? Righteousness, quite literally, right living. We have a word for it in the Church of Nazarene. We call it holiness. (laughs) This is what we're talking about. But here's the thing. It's not something that we do. It's not something that we do ourselves. We don't just work harder to live right. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. And the power of God, that the strength of the Lord in verse 10, is what allows us to be able to live the life that God is calling us to live. This is the life of righteousness. This is the breastplate of righteousness that we put on. It's not something that comes natural. We have to put it on. And and it's Christ and his mighty power that allows us to do that. Scripture tells us that our hearts, by nature, lead to unrighteousness. But God makes us righteous. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. We take on the holiness of Christ. We're able to live this holy life. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. So we got the, the belt of truth. We have the breastplate of righteousness, verse 15, with your feet fitted with the gospel, or sorry, your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Your feet fitted with the readiness. Have you ever just gone through a time in your life where it just seems like everything is crashing down, but you just, you just have this peace about you? <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? Amen. People on the outside looking in would just be like, I don't know how in the world This person is handling this like they are. I'll tell you what it is. It's because we have our feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We have a gospel of peace. I will always remember walking through the last few months and days of Edith Fennell's life a few years ago. Many of you remember this. I, I have never seen anybody who was more at peace in the last days of her life. Never. I, I, when I think about just having the, just the gospel of peace, I think about that. I think about how ready she was. She was ready for anything because she knew the gospel of peace. Amen. And we have our feet fitted with this, with this readiness that comes from peace. When it seems like the world is crashing down, Satan is trying to bring you down, take your world along with you, but you are at peace in your relationship with God, we put on the, we're ready, the gospel of peace. Put on the shield of faith is next, right? We have the, in addition, verse 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. What are these flaming arrows? Remember these lies that are constantly being lobbed your way? Lies always, you're not good enough. God doesn't love you. You're not actually saved. All this stuff that the devil just seems to just, just toss over your way. You put up that shield of faith and you say, I don't, I don't believe these lies. I believe that I am who God says I am. I'm blessed. I'm an overcomer. You've already lost because of the blood of Jesus. Greater is the one who is in me than the one who is in the world. You have the faith of God within you to be able to block these lies, to be able to... to Put up these shields. These arrows mean nothing. 
Take up the shield of faith with which you can distinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit. We'll stop there. Helmet of salvation. Sorry, right ahead. Helmet of salvation. It's always good to wear a helmet, right? That's what we tell our kids. You're going to go ride your bike, you wear a helmet. You're going to go skateboard, you ride a helmet. Why do you wear a helmet? You hit your head and it can be bad news, right? What is, what is this helmet that is here? It's salvation. The helmet of salvation. You can be secure in Christ because you are saved. You can be secure in Christ because you are saved. You can know that you are saved. And you, you're saved. Put on that helmet. Put on that helmet of salvation. Right, put on that helmet of salvation and just be assured of your salvation. Know that Jesus, what Jesus has done on the cross is enough for you. It's enough for every sin that you have ever committed and ever, ever will commit. Right, this, is, this, is, this is enough. This is the gospel of salvation. We wear that as our helmet. It protects our minds, and we take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. You need to know the Word. You need to love the Word. You need to learn the Word. We've been working on that all year this year, learning and following Scripture, both personally and in community. We've been working on that. I just I think about this. Jesus, in Matthew chapter 4, right after his baptism, Matthew 4, 1, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, by the Holy Spirit, into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus, in these temptations, has three temptations. Yeah, throw yourself down from here. The angels will catch you. I know you're hungry. You've been fasting for 40 days. Why don't you make these rocks turn into bread? If you just bow to me, I will give you everything. These temptations. Jesus responds every single time with his sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. This is what Scripture says. This is what scripture says. This is what scripture says every time. And the devil leaves him until an opportune time, the book of Luke says. This is how we fight our battles. And then oftentimes when we're reading this passage, we kind of stop there and we think, that's the armor, right? We've got the helmet, breastplate, we've got the belt, we've got the shoes, we've got the shield, we've got the sword. What else is there? I've got no more hands, no more, no more anything. He keeps going here. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and the requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. We need to be people of prayer. We need to be people who, who pray on all occasions. Keep praying for all the Lord's people. He says, you know, pray for me that I may go out and just boldly proclaim the gospel that I know, which is that no matter who you are or where you are from, you are a part of the family of God. He starts praying. I think about this. This is all of this. The, the, the armor of God is here. Right, this is the armor of God, and it is the armor of God. It's not just our armor. Right, it's not just us. We don't put it on ourselves. This is the armor of God. This is God's protection over us. This is God's way of helping us through these spiritual battles as we have the armor of God. But here's, here's really the point that I want you to get this morning. This is my, if you hear nothing else, hear this. Just like Paul's doing here. Here's what it is. As believers, when we fight, we do not fight for victory. We fight from victory. We have already won the battle. 
God has already won the battle. 1 John 4, 4 says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Now, some of you in here are fighting some spiritual battles right now. I don't know who, I don't know what, I don't know all of that stuff. You're fighting some spiritual battles. I want you to hear this this morning. God is fighting for you. God is fighting with you. Be strengthened in the Lord and in his mighty power. I pray that you would put on the armor of God. Put on the helmet of salvation, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet ready with the gospel of peace. Have the shield of faith. Have the sword of of the spirit, which is the word of God. Have your armor ready so that you may be able to fight this battle. The battle that we are fighting, not one against other humans, It is against Satan in the heavenly realms. There is a battle that is so much deeper. There is a spiritual battle going on right now, whether you realize it or not. I would encourage you, as Paul does, to put on the armor of God. Put on the armor of God. Man, I love Ephesians. (laughs) Good stuff. It is really good stuff in the book of Ephesians. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we are grateful for you, grateful to be in this space in this time, God, where we can uh, just be together and dive into your word, and, and God, I just, I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for this space. I'm thankful for the ability to be able to gather together and to be able to dive into the word, to be able to sing your praises together. I'm thankful for all of this, God. But God, this morning, especially this morning, I'm mindful of the spiritual battles that are going on within this room. I'm mindful that, that within each and every person there's potential for a spiritual battle at any given moment. And I just pray, God, that we would be ready. I pray that we would have the armor of God on us. I pray that we would, just, we would know that you are fighting for us, God. That we would put these battles in your hands and put on your armor. God, I, just, I, I pray for any individual who is going through something right now. God, I just, I just pray a special blessing over them. God, would you just help them? Would you empower them? Would you encourage them? Would you give them the courage to go forward and to to be the person you're calling them to be? God, we love you. We give you praise. We give you thanks. You are so good. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And uh, as we leave, I want to pray a a blessing over you. But uh, I do just want to remind you as well, there's going to be some cookies out uh, under the porch out there. Uh, You can stay and hang out and uh, honor Steve with us this morning. But let me just pray this blessing over you as we go. May our God, God of love and truth, this God of mercy that we serve, may he encourage you as you go forward this week. May he be in your workplaces, in your homes. May he go with you and ahead of you that you might make a difference wherever you may find yourself. Go strengthened with the armor of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning, everybody. It's good to be back.